You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Well, we have guests with us. We have not only Andy Crispin with us, but we also have Josh and Bevan Bold, who we asked to stay over from the marriage conference. Those of you that were at the marriage conference, didn't they do an incredible job, man? I just thank God for them and just so grateful for them and that they would agree because they're really busy to stay over and, you know, and they brought their children with them. And I'm going to say something about their kids. Their, their names are Haven and Honor and... Uh, Wow, they are incredible kids. They, I didn't hear a peep out of them. They're so used to traveling and be with mom and dad and staying up late and, you know, eating at all hours. And I just want to thank you guys for raising great kids. They're, they're super cool, and, and they're just honorable to you guys. And so, man, they've raised some great children. But we're going to talk about, about the passion that's in their heart, and it's, it's part of this the series that I've started, American Revelation, because I think in America, we need to get a revelation of what God, we're so, guys, we're, we're spoiled. I mean, I, don't, I know we don't feel like it because we have our own troubles and our own hardships, but we have so much hope that a large part of the world does not have. And so we're going to start off by talking about um, just your testimony and just a short brief, uh, uh, part of that and talking about, you know, and I, we never, Josh and I have talked about it and I've said this before, we never want to glorify what we did before. That's not the point. It's to testify to where God brought us from, amen, yeah. what he delivered us from. So jump in here and start, Bevan, you start. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to be with you. We are so just we love your church <clears throat> you are a soul winning church and we see that and we see hunger and we are very honored to be here and i love being here with you and miss julie because i when i was 19 i moved to clovis new mexico and i started working for pastor troy as his assistant so we we go way back we know each other um a few years into that after pastor troy had come here i ended up meeting joshua i was set up on a blind date I don't know what they were thinking because a few months later, I learned that Joshua was not serving God. He was serving the world and he was deep in addiction, selling drugs throughout New Mexico, using a lot of drugs. And that doesn't work well for a girl who loves Jesus. So much to my broken heart, I had to break up with him and move all the way on the other side of the world to a little country called Uzbekistan. I did not move there for missions. My sister lived there. She had married a guy from that country. So I just ended up there trying to get over my broken heart. But while I was there, God healed my broken heart, delivered me, you know, just from heartbreak. I never spoke to him for two years at all. Not one word, not one email, not one social media, anything. And during that time, God really broke my heart for the Muslim world because Uzbekistan is a little Muslim nation in Central Asia. It's right in the middle with Afghanistan and Turkmenistan and Tajikistan. And so I learned for the first time that there is a third of the world actually who has never heard they don't know who jesus is they have never attended a church seen a church heard the message that jesus died on the cross for their sins they don't know 
And so God began to open my heart up. After that, I moved to Juarez, Mexico to live at Josefina's Orphanage. How many of you have been to that orphanage? Anybody been awesome. to Josefina's? Yeah. So how we got there, real quick, how we got to uh, even minister to Josefina's orphanage was that uh, a lady in our church, which was uh, Josefina's daughter, kept uh, pursuing pursuing me to go, and Bevan speaks very fluid Spanish, and, you know, was my assistant at the time, so I said, okay, Bev, we're going, and I got another group of people, and we all went down there, and that's how that ministry started in Columbus, and that's why we still have that ministry, and it's expanded today. And so there's all this connection of things growing out of that. But anyway, go ahead. So Yeah, and so during that time, Joshua heard I was going down to Juarez, and you can take it from there, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good morning, church. Um, my name's Joshua Bold. I'm from Clovis, right down the street, born and raised. And uh, I just want to say, Pastor Troy, thank you, man, um, for your leadership. You know, whenever I married Bevan, um, she had served under Pastor Troy, and I had heard him preach, and one time he stopped me. He said, Josh, you know what I'm passionate about? I'm a passionate man. I don't make every right decision, but I live my life with passion for God. I love my wife with passion. I raise my children with passion. I serve the Lord with passion. And whenever I married Bevan, I knew she had been under his leadership, and I was challenged to step up to a level of leadership and to, to continue burning with passion. And I just want to say thank you for that. Well, Whatever uh, part that God had me play, I'm, I'm honored. So Bevan was living in Juarez, and I was living in another city in southern New Mexico. Um, complete addict. Broken. Uh, total just destroyer of lives. I was, you know, selling dope and, and uh, using dope and all that stuff. And went down... I heard she was moving down there. I said, she hadn't talked to me for two years, and she was the love of my life. But my addiction had broken my relationship with my family, my relationship with uh, our community in Clovis. Everybody knew who I was, what I was doing. I mean, it, it hurt my parents, and it had broken my relationship with the love of my life. And um, so, but I talked to her on the phone. I said, hey, can I just come down? I, you don't know what is like I do. Like, you're gonna get killed down there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I, sa- I said, uh, I'll just come down and make sure you're all right. So I get down there, and I drove a, I was driving a convertible Corvette, you know, wearing $200 pants and $300 shoes and pocket full of cash, eight ball in one pocket, hundreds in the other pocket, completely miserable, completely miserable. And I get down here, and these kids and Bevan, see, Bevan wasn't paid to go down there. No. She had worked and save money for a year so she could live down there on her own money and serve these girls. Now, I was living for myself, spending tons of money on selfish satisfaction. Difference was, her and all of these kids who had been orphaned were smiling, had joy, and I had no joy. And that night, I knew there's something wrong with me. There's something deeply broken in me. And um, so that was a a trigger. God used that. The following week, I was invited to go to a Men of Iron conference by my father. And um, I went just to honor my dad. But I saw all, how many of you guys have been to a Men of Iron conference? Come on, man. Or a Forged conference? How many of you have been to Forged? 
Yeah, come on, you can sound like a man when you say yeah. That's all right, there we go. <laughs> so, so I got down and I saw real men like you guys, worshiping. And see, I had been offended as a kid, I was kicked out of a youth group because I was smoking weed. And, um, and I was just like, you know, if that's how Christians are, I don't want anything to do with Christians. And I thought my parents had been brainwashed and all this stuff. So, uh, but I got down there and I saw real men worshiping Jesus. And I saw men like Pastor Troy who were like, like real men, like with strength and joy. And I felt the presence of God and I said, God, if you'll, I've always heard, here's the prayer I prayed. I said, Jesus, I've always heard that Jesus saves. But I don't need you to make me into a Christian. I don't like Christians. But if you'll <laughs> save my life. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, I was just so far in the world, you guys. I mean, I was living, uh, nobody can really understand it. You know, I got new teeth since then. I, you know, I've cleaned my act up a little bit. But, um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of them that understand what meth does to your body. Yeah, so, so. I said, if you'll save me, I'll give you everything I have. I'll go wherever you go, tell me to go, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, my whole life is yours. And, and what's, what, even as I say that, I realize how, what a stupid prayer that was, like offering him my life, because my life was trash. I was miserable, I didn't even want my own life. So it wasn't like I was giving him something. I was begging him, but in one moment, the Spirit of God came upon me, and it was like a backpack of bricks that I had been wearing. You can look at pictures of me before this day. Man, I was dark. I had darkness all over me. I was evil. I hurt people, you know? And um, in one moment, guys, I prayed that prayer, and it was like all of that was lifted off of me, and my eyes were opened up. I was filled with the love of God. I'm so grateful to God. He filled me with this love. I used to never cry. Now I cry all the time. Sound familiar? But, but uh, he restored my relationship with Bevan. And... Uh, and he restored my relationship with my parents. And then he, not only that, he called me. After all the trash I had done, he called me to go serve him and to represent him to the nations. I still can't understand that kind of a love. I mean, I can understand an earthly love that would say, yeah, you're forgiven, man. Now, I'll give you some kind of little job behind the scenes. But now we get to go be front runners and go into places where people have never heard the gospel, where they've never seen Jesus. And I realize he trusts me enough to let me be the first person that would ever represent him to someone. Isn't that amazing? And uh, that's the story of salvation in my life. Go ahead, baby. And what's interesting is when Josh got delivered, you might have caught that. He said, I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll say whatever you tell me to say. My life is yours. And God really held him to that because <laughs> about three years later, we were living in Oklahoma and we just sensed a shifting. We knew something's about to shift. And my family's in Austin and his is in Clovis. So we thought, 
Maybe we'll move to Austin. Maybe we'll move to Clovis. But what happened was in 2008, God spoke clearly to our hearts about a people called the Kurdish people. They live in northern Iraq. We had never heard of them. We never cared to go live as missionaries. That was We were not trained in that way at all. But it, the time was ripe. It was 2008, and Saddam Hussein had just you know, been ousted. And so American military had really helped the Kurdish people. And so their hearts were open. They, they were, it was just a, a time in history. There's times and seasons and it was the time and God said, go, I want you to go to the Kurdish people of Iraq. And so we got our four suitcases and we're like, okay, we'll go. We're going to win a million Kurdish people to Jesus. <laughs> the thing is we didn't know the language. <laughs> we didn't even know how to say, hello, how are you? Much less tell them the full gospel message, but we were willing. I mean, that was kind of the point was, we had already told Jesus, whatever you ask of me, my answer is yes. Like you, it, it, yes, yes is the answer. I don't know what you'll ask, but yes is the answer. And that's really the posture that he's asking of all of us is just that you would give God your yes. So that whenever he comes to you and asks you something, it doesn't seem like a big deal because you've already said yes. And so for us, that was Iraq. We were like, well, we already said yes to you. So yeah, we'll go. Yeah. So you hit the ground in Iraq. Or, Northern Iraq, they, it, Kurdistan doesn't exist. They want to exist, but between the Turkish and the, the Iraqis, they don't want them to exist because they're a pretty powerful group of people. They, have a, they, they fight, they're in survival mode, so they fight for their lives every day. So you end up there in a, in a city you said was about twice the size of Roswell, about 100,000 people, and then the person that you connected with leaves you, and then you're there. Yeah. We, we went for, we had a person that helped us get on the ground, got us into a little temporary housing situation. We were just there. And one day we ran out of drinking water and I went out to find some water to drink. I told Bevan, we gotta have drinking water because like, there's no electricity. There's one hour of electricity a day and you'd get water uh, come to your house maybe once a week and you had to trap it and then just sparingly use it throughout the week. And, so, and there was no drinking water. So I said, let's go get some drinking water. It took us hours to get it. And then when we get back from getting it, we were disheartened because we said, man, if we could, if it was so hard just to buy some water, how are we gonna lead a million people to Jesus? How long did it take you just to get a case of water? Hours, it was literally six, it took, I went out, it was daylight, I came back at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and <laughs> just to get water, guys. And so here's the, here's the thing, and here's what I want to help people understand. Um, and I wanna ask you, don't have your ears open right now. Would you please open your heart to what God's wanting to show you today? Because even as a young Christian, I had been through Bible school, I had helped start a church, and I was a missionary in the mission field. I did not know what I'm gonna share with you. Um, in the earth today, there are about almost eight billion people, 7.5 billion people. Of that, over three billion people, 40% of the world's population, are what we call unreached people groups. That's an ethnic group that has no access to the gospel. Um, they have a unique culture, history, language, customs, whatever, but there's no church, no Bible, no Christian, no missionary. If they had a dream about God, they would have no one that they could talk to about it. They have no access. Many of them, Josh, you told me, have never even heard the name of Jesus. No. Even in the Muslim world, they've heard of, it's called Isa, what they call Jesus is Isa. 
and he's just a prophet. So they'd never heard about the Jesus that laid his life down. So we're talking about uh, 40% of the world's population. So imagine, and, and here's the worst part of that, every day 60, over 60, between 60 and 80,000 people die every day, and they've never even heard his name. What frustrates me about that is I had a chance to reject Christianity. I had, I was, I, Pastor Troy and other people were trying to get me to come to the Lord, trying to get me, I had a chance to reject it. How many of you are like that? Right, how many of you did reject it for, for seasons? And now you're so thankful that you've accepted Christ. But, right, but these people have never even had a chance to hear and so we're among a people group, the Kurdish, there's 43 million Kurdish people. Wow. They speak a unique language, and there's no church among them to speak of. Wow. And we realize this is an, an, an impossible task, uh, seeming, without God. You know, with man it seems impossible, but with God... All things are possible. Amen. So what we started saying is, Lord, give us a man. Give us people here. We started praying and we made a commitment. We said every day, we were living on our own money. We didn't know that you could be a, a sponsored missionary, any of that stuff. We had worked hard, we had saved our money and we were living on our own dime and we realized every day's costing us. We knew we had enough money to live about three years over there. So we knew every day's costing us. We're here paying a price and this isn't easy. So we said we will not go to bed without sharing the gospel with one person every day. So our prayer every day was, God, give us a chance to share the gospel with one person. Wow. Do you know in the world today, there's one evangelical Christian, one of you, for every seven non-Christian people in the earth. That means if every one of us would wake up every day and say, let me share the gospel with one. In my lifetime, let me lead seven. We could see the entire world wow. except Christ. That'd be incredible. We started asking God for a man. And so finally we met some young people. Uh, and uh, the first young guy we met, his name is Chalak. That means active. And we were hosting a uh, medical clinic. And um, so we, were, we had brought some doctors in and we were treating people with medicines and things like this. But this young man, Chalak, he comes on homemade wooden crutches. He had walked several miles from a village to the, because he had heard about the clinic. And the guy had a huge abscess on his, or just like a massive growth on his calf, huge. And um, <clears throat> the doctors looked at it and they said, son, without uh, multiple surgeries and rehabilitation, there's nothing we can help you with. And we're just here for one week. And so this guy turns around. I'll never forget it. And I see him starting to walk away, just completely disheartened. What he thought he was gonna get, they told him no. And there was no local doctors, no medical care. And Bevan and I, with our limited Kurdish, we had learned Kurdish, we now speak the Kurdish language. And, uh, but at the time we were very limited with our language. We stopped him and I said, Wait, I know of stories where God has healed people's legs without surgeries and without rehabilitation. And he's, <laughs> and, and, 
Yeah. We so couldn't we, communicate well, it perfectly, so we had a We Kurdish didn't know Bible. how to share those stories. So what we did is we got a Kurdish Bible. They had a Bible in his New Testament only. And we marked several stories of people's legs being healed. We invited him and his sister over for supper at our house that night. And we didn't know anything else than how to say read. So read, you say Bechlena. So I would just open the Bible to a page and I'd be like, Bechlena. <laughs> I didn't share the gospel with him. I couldn't, because so we just made him read the gospel. And after he read like four stories, we said, God did this for these people. He'll do it for you. Do you believe that? He said, yes. So Bevan and I, listen, there was no awesome lights, no awesome building, <laughs> no awesome Andy Crispin worship. <laughs> like, it was just two dumb kids in an old broke down brick structure in Iraq, man. We laid hands on him and we prayed. And we prayed every prayer we knew how to pray. We cast things out, all this stuff. Guess what? That tumor didn't go anywhere, man. It's still there. <laughs> and we were like, wow, first shot. was total failure. <laughs> a day or two goes by, and we're in the marketplace. They have the old world markets there, just people out in the streets selling, and there's smoke in the air and smell of fresh baked bread, baked bread every day. And so Bevan and I would, you have to go get your bread every day. And um, so we were out getting our bread, and um, we see Chalak. And he's just walking through the marketplace. We run up to him and we're all, Chalak! <laughs> the only Chalak! person you knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're like, your leg, it's, it's better. And he's like, yeah, you told me it would be. <laughs> he's not shocked. He's like, what, what, what's the big deal? He had more faith than we did. Amen. And see, God's called us to reach the world. He said, I'm gonna give you my spirit. I'm sending you. He said, I give you all authority in heaven and earth. Lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but what, what's happened to us sometimes, church, is we've heard it so much. We just, we, we, oh, we heard it with our ears, but we didn't hear it with our heart. We gotta take God at his word. And so that day was a faith lesson for us. This Muslim boy who had never heard the gospel had more faith than us for his healing. You know what I wanna say is what hit me when Josh was talking. A lot of times as, as Americans or whatever, we're more afraid of rejection than we are um, compassionate and grateful and excited about the one that will say yes. Mm -hmm. So we're more, more afraid of the no's and you Christians and church on the move and you guys and this, that. We're more afraid of that than we are the possibility of someone saying, yes, I'll accept Jesus. And we need to get to that place. That's why I invited them. The passion and courage that they have to put their lives on the line and, and here we sit in comfortable places, which is good. You know, God's good to us. And, and we never forsake that. And we're not trying to be martyrs. And they weren't trying to be martyrs. They were just trying to make a difference for the kingdom. And we get so caught up in our own stuff and our own popularity and what people think about us in social media that, man, that one yes, that one cella, is cella? 
Chalak. Chalak. Yeah. That one Chalak is worth all the rejection. All of it. All of it. I'd go back a thousand times for that boy. Wow. Yeah, and I think that that's something to, like, God, he's not asking you to just to do it, like, to make the miracle happen, to make the person be saved. He's just asking you to be a vessel for him to flow through. And so it's not our responsibility to heal Chalak. That's the responsibility of Jesus Christ. Amen. But my responsibility is, yes, I'll pray for him. Yes, I'll believe you. Yes, we'll try to show him, we'll do whatever we can that he could know the truth. And that's what he's asking of you is just to be willing, just to say, Lord, yeah, I'll, I'll minister to my neighbor. I'll take them an enchilada, I'll do something, you know, I'm, but you're the one that's going to move in their heart. Jesus is the one that changes their hearts, and you're the one who's willing to do it. And there's, I have a picture in my um, closet that I look at every day, and it was something that the founder of Ames, the ministry we lead, he always said, always keep a tear in your eye and a fire in your belly. And what that means is that keep a tear in your eye is about having brokenness for the lost, having compassion. It means that we don't get used to the idea or okay with the fact that there's 60,000 people dying every day. And I know when we say that, that there's people in the room that that doesn't move you. Because I used to be that person. I could hear numbers like that, and it's just numbers are kind of hard to realize that those are people. Those are individual lives who are dying every day without hearing the message of Jesus. But when we begin to say, Break my heart, God, for the things that break your heart. God, I want to keep, I want to have a tear in my eye for people that don't know you. I want to be moved with compassion. I don't want to be apathetic. And maybe you do feel that way right now because it's far off and there's people in nations you haven't set foot there and it's hard to imagine. But when you begin to pray and ask God, break my heart for the lost, break my heart for the unreached. Break my heart for my family and let me not have a critical spirit towards them, but be compassionate towards them and want them desperately to know Jesus. God will respond. He will begin to answer that prayer in your heart if that is the prayer of your heart. You know, I, I pray all the time, God, you know, I, I, I don't pray that word break, and I, but I understand exactly what Bevan's talking about. I always pray, God, teach me to love the way you love. Teach me to love the way you love. The way you loved me when I was lost, teach me to love the lost the way you love the lost. Teach me to love my family the way you love my family. Teach me to love people the way you love people, the way you've loved me when I was so far away from you. And that's the same thing. It's that, it's not the, you know, Bevan had a broken heart towards Josh. That's not the same brokenness. We all have some of that in our life, whether we lost, someone passed away or something happened. We all have that kind. That's not this kind of brokenness. This is a true compassion for others. And a lot of times we don't have it because we're so caught up in what's going on in our life. Instead of saying, okay, God, I'll put your kingdom first and I'll let you heal my wounds and deliver me and take care of me. And we, all, we put all those needs in front of that. Yeah. And, and when we reverse it, he takes care of it. It's crazy how that works. Amen. Yeah, we were in India um, two years ago with our kids, Haven and Honor. And when we arrived in India... We, they immediately, the people in the hotel, they're like, oh, would you like to go see the Ganges River? And we're like, yes. The Ganges River is a famous river in India because the Hindu people, they believe in reincarnation. But they believe if they can go to the Ganges River, they call it Mother Ganga, and they worship the river. They believe that if they can go to the river and take their the dead bodies of their loved ones and throw the ashes in the river, then they can escape reincarnation. 
then they can just go to paradise. And this is one of the beliefs of Hinduism. In India, there's 1.3 billion people. There's more than a, a billion people who follow Hinduism. And for perspective's sake, in America, there's 384 million people in all of the United States. And so in this country, 1.3 billion people following false gods. There's millions of Hindu gods. They don't know the message of Jesus Christ. In this picture, maybe you can see these are burning feet. This is one of the, the bodies that they had taken to the river. And so we're there and my son, Honor, he immediately, I feel like fear, like attached itself to my son. And it was, it was hard to watch, you know, and- um, You're watching bodies burn and they're, to save firewood because they're so poor. They, there's men out there with big clubs and they beat the bodies into pieces so that they'll burn faster. And just so you know, we're not, just, we're not just trying to show our kids burning flesh. We no, didn't know that was gonna happen, but so we're there and my son, he just, he got so fearful and um, he ended up, even in the hotel, he ended up waking up in the night and just couldn't breathe, kind of like panic attack. And it was, we spoke the name of Jesus and broke that and he, he was healed and praise God. But the point is, after that, my son and daughter were walking through the streets of India and they began to like, look at that guy. Can we go pray for them? And we're like, and it's illegal actually, but we just said, you know, we can be really discreet and we'll go and yes, you can pray for people. And I love that about my kids because many of you feel that. When you, when you think of India or you think of Iraq, it's just kind of like either I don't care or I'm afraid. Those are kind of common responses. I don't- think of Main Street here. Right. When you think of reaching the lost, you know, fear of rejection, fear is a very common thing, but what if that fear turns from fear and God delivers you from that fear or apathy and it turns to compassion, to begin to care and see the people and then you want to pray for them and you wanna see change in their life. And so India, that's just one picture of the world. This is one snapshot taken with our iPhone, but the world is full of people 40% of the world's population don't know the name. Not that they just haven't accepted Jesus, they haven't heard the message of Jesus. And you can be a part of changing that by beginning to pray, asking God to send laborers. The Bible tells us, pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth. And it's not just this like small prayer of, I pray that you would send some laborers to my family. No, that means pray that he'll thrust them. He'll throw forth laborers. Amen. It's a passionate prayer that God would send forth laborers to your family and to the ends of the earth. And your prayers can impact nations. Yeah. Even if you never set foot in a place like that, God wants to use you to impact the world. Yeah, you know, I, and I, I want to be really clear um, what we're talking with you guys about. We're not asking any of you to come with us to India or Iraq. Um, unless the Lord's speaking to you about that, I would say don't. Unless you're called, don't go. Um, Absolutely um, don't go unless you're called. But Jesus did say, you know, we call it the Great Commission. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 19 and 20. And then Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, well, in Mark 16, 15, he says, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all of creations, creation. And he said, and these signs shall follow, you know what the next words are? All of them who believe. Yes. So sometimes when we think about the work of ministry, we think about people like Pastor Troy 
or really gifted worshipers like Andy or Reader, you know, like Pastor Sean, man. He's just like so dynamic. But actually, Jesus is saying, I want you to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. Now, what he's, and what he's actually saying there, if you take the direct literal translation, he's saying, I want you to go into every man's world. Go into every man's world. How do we go? He gave us a roadmap. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus said, he was about to ascend into heaven. And he had lived, he had done miracles, he had taught, he had done all these amazing things. And then right before he goes up into heaven, he says, guys, I got a plan for you. It's not over here. I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem. He says, do not leave until the promise of the Father has come upon you. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said, you will be given power from on high to be a witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. So what he's, we call that an Acts 1-8 strategy. And you can be an Acts 1-8 Christian. Can you? Yes. You can be an Acts 1-8 Christian. You can enter every man's world in some way. So when he's talking about Jerusalem, if he was talking to you guys, he wouldn't say start in Jerusalem. He'd say, I want you to start right here in Roswell. Uh, I want you guys to talk, your Judea, this entire valley. I want you to fill this valley with my glory. I want you to go and testify of me. I want you to go into your Samaria. That's people who are, are more distant cultures than you, but you have access to them. And I want you to go into the uttermost. Those are people that are radically different than you. Now, what Bevan and I saw is when we lived in Iraq, we had to learn a language. I was captured. I was beaten. My back was broken, but God delivered me. We had no electricity. We had all these hardships, and we saw 16 people accept Christ in five years. Well, we saw 16 salvation, uh, baptisms in five years. And I'll celebrate that all day long. I celebrate it, man. That's, yes. that's a labor of love right there. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Because right now in the world, guys, there are billions of people who need you to be salt and light, who need you to live as an Acts 1-8 Christian. And, and Bevan and I realized, you know what? We can't reach a million Kurds, but we can reach one. And if we reach that one, we can disciple that one to reach two or three more. And so now to date, we've seen hundreds of Kurdish lives changed and those hundreds will become a million before we die. Just from the 16 that they led in all those years, now hundreds, it's starting to multiply. Yes. Now today we have, yes, praise God. Let's thank God for how he operates. But we realize, you know what? We realize that to, to reach the world, we have to go into every man's world until we find that one. And you know what? You might have gone to five or 10 and they said, no, go to the 11th today. And you might not be able to reach these unreached groups, but what we're doing now, we're raising up missionaries that live near these unreached people. We now have 1,100, over 1,100, serving unreached people, sharing the gospel with them in over 40 countries. Here's where we work. I think we've got our stats. But last year, over 101,000 people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time. Amen. Oh, here it is. Last year, 24,689 people accepted Christ. It's amazing. Amen. 
Every day right now, six churches are being planted somewhere in the world. Every day, okay? So listen, we, I'm not asking you to do it all. I'm asking you to do what Jesus has called you to. Go into every man's world and reach the one and, sh- and just be relentless. Say, Lord God, I cannot go to sleep. I cannot rest with the world in this condition. And what you have to realize, guys, is that he has chosen you. He called you. He, had, he, he ascended into heaven. And when he did that, he offered you his spirit. And he said, now I want you to go. I want you to preach the gospel. And in Matthew 28, he said, I want you to go and make disciples of every nation. Amen. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His disciples, you know, they were under persecution. And they said, Lord, we don't like it here anymore. The government's plotting against us. Our governor's working against us. They're taking our liberties. They're doing wicked things in the name of good. We're tired of this. When is this going to end? You know what Jesus told him? He said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, he said, the gospel, this gospel of my kingdom will be preached as a witness to every nation, and then the end shall come. Today, guys, there's over 7,000 nations waiting on the gospel. But if we work together, we can send missionaries out to every one of them in the next decade. We could finish this work. Amen. But I want you to understand something that's so vital, is that after all that he did, the miracles, the raising the dead, the multiplying the loaves and fishes, he chose 11 11 scrubs, man. They were fishermen. (laughs) They were tax collectors. They were uneducated. They were the lowest, the rejects of their society like me. And he chose them. And you know what? He could have chosen to call legions down from heaven. He could have chosen fire. He could have chosen to rain down gold to eliminate poverty. He could have done it any way. But he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And I'm going to send you to a dying world. And you might ask him, well, Lord, what's your plan B? Because I don't feel like it. You know what? He has no plan B. He loves you. He's chosen you. He's called you. And there's a world desperately waiting on this message of the gospel of his kingdom. And you know what? You don't have to be a great preacher. You, don't, you might only have a Bible that you can point at. That's okay. He's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. Amen? Amen. And I believe that if you'll say yes to him, that your city will be transformed, that this valley will be transformed, that the kingdom will come. See, here's the message of his kingdom, you guys. It's not that you have to go and preach some elaborate message. The the work of the gospel, the word that when we, you've heard of the word evangelism? It means this, the the Greek word is euangelizo. And so what it means is you'd have a message of a king coming. It's like this, hey, I got a good message for you guys. A king's coming to your city. And in his kingdom, there's no poverty. If you hate poverty, come hang with me. In his kingdom, there's no sickness because he's eradicated the power of sickness and disease. If you like healing, come hang with me. Hey, in his kingdom, if you are a prisoner because of a mistake that you've made, he sets the captive free. 
If you like freedom, come, come hang on. with me. Come on. Amen. And he's giving us this message of his kingdom. And what's terrible, you guys, I was just in a, in a nation that is 99% Muslim. We have three people in prison right now. People are burning trash in the middle of their homes just to stay warm and cook their food. But we're seeing salvation come because people have taken it upon themselves to be messengers of the kingdom. And you can be a messenger of the kingdom today. I'll tell you what's the most dangerous thing in the world. And I would love to have more time to tell you, but I'll tell you, Bevan and I, we went through hard stuff. We had people come. We had, they terrorized our, we had a business, they burned it. We had a, a, a house, a, a church building. They kicked us out, took all of our stuff. We were, we were shot at. We had to run uh, out of neighborhoods from bullets. We were surrounded by mobs. We've been in, I, I was captured, beaten, uh, taken prisoner, told I was never gonna see the light of day. Um, and God delivered me from that experience. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you that when I tell you those things, many of you think that sounds dangerous, but I was a, I was a meth addict, man. And I don't know about any of you guys have ever been in addiction or seen your children in addiction. You, you know what? People say, well, were you afraid? I was never afraid. Because I'd already, I'd already stood face to face with, with Satan for years. I knew what that was like. That's how he turns around. Things meant for evil turn it around for good. That's right. That's why he sends Josh and Bevan. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you this. All that so stuff sounds dangerous, but you want to know the most dangerous, dangerous sound or dangerous thing on the planet is today? Yes. It's God's church being quiet. Right. You have the power, the words of life living inside of you. You have the power to redeem and restore the broken, to call the poverty into prosperity, to see the orphan have a home, a father, a mother, to see the widow comforted, to see the broken restored. Amen? Yes. You have the word of life available, living on the inside of you. The most dangerous thing that could ever happen is for you to keep it to yourself. And so we're, I pray that today that God is calling you to action. I pray that he's moving you from a position of, of, of apathy, of not caring, just not will, like I care but not enough to say anything. I care but not enough to do anything. I care but not enough to give anything. I pray that God would move you today into a new place of, of burden for what his kingdom represents. And then as you step out, listen you guys, John G. Lake, he was a minister. He had a huge healing ministry. But he said after praying for 100 people to be healed, none had been healed. And then on number 101, you know what happened? A healing happened. He said, that's when I realized to see more sick people healed, I gotta pray for more sick people. If we wanna see the world restored, if you wanna see your family restored, you gotta start praying for your family more. If you wanna see more people accepting yeah, Christ, we gotta start sharing the gospel of his kingdom more. And not everyone's gonna say yes, but the one that says yes could reap a harvest of multitudes. Amen. Amen. So I just, I wanna invite you into this glorious work. 
You've been saved for a reason. And it's not to wait and see how much sin you can get away with and still go to heaven or see, you know, it, you, the reason you've been saved is so you can be an ambassador of an eternal kingdom. And if you'll join him in the work, he will do things through you that you could have never imagined, thought, asked. Amen. The word of God says that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above anything you could ask or think. Amen. And right now, I want to, I want to, would you ask with me? Lord God, we ask you for this city. God, I ask yes. for your anointing upon Roswell, New Mexico, church on the move. God, we ask big. And we know that you're able to do bigger than we're asking. If you, if you have a broken family member, a, a broken marriage, a, a child or a loved one stuck in addiction in prison, I want you to begin to ask God for them right now. Lord, I ask you for the redemption of the addict in this city in Jesus' name. Lord, if you have people dealing with confusion about who they are, God, that you would restore them to clarity about who, they, who you've created them to be in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you to restore those stuck in sexual sin and addiction in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the Kurdish people. The 43 million that you called me to. God, would I, can, can I see more than a million saved in my life? Lord, I pray for those that are distraught, they're brokenhearted today. Lord, would you restore them, bring their joy back to them today? Church, let's begin to ask, knowing that he's willing to do more. And Lord, for those of us who've seen the world but not loved it, I ask that you would fill our hearts with your love today. Lord, would you fill us with your power to perform miracles? Lord, it's not us being holy. It's not us being smart. Would you use us to heal the sick? We ask this, Jesus. And God, when we don't feel capable or qualified, I ask that you would fill our mouths with the word of life to see people saved. Churches, we're ending this service. I just want to ask you. I, I believe there's people here that, you've, that you felt like you've done so many bad things or you've made so many bad decisions that you can't ask anymore. You asked God before, but then you missed it. You failed again. And you feel like you've gone too far to ever ask him again. But something's brought you here today. Jesus said, if you will ask me, if you'll call upon my name, I will save you. And even in that salvation, I want to share with you, church, that he's able to do more than what you thought. He'll take the broken addict like me and put you in, in nations. He'll take the broken addict that was in prison and make you a captain of business. He'll take a broken failure of a father and restore you to have your children and to love them well. He'll do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask.
So I wanna ask you guys with no one looking around, if you're here today and you say, I've never been saved or I was saved but I missed it and I felt like I could never ask again, I'm telling you that God is calling you to ask him for his salvation and see his kingdom come into your life today. If there's anyone here like that with no one looking around and you need his salvation, I wanna ask you to raise your hand so I can see your hand. I see you, sir. Thank you, I see you, ma'am. I see you, sir. Yes, I see you, ma'am. Thank you. I see hands all over this auditorium. Thank you, God. He's ready to save you today. He's gonna heal you. He's gonna restore you. Do you believe it, church? Yes. Yes. If you prayed that prayer, guys, I know this isn't customary here, but I believe that the body of Christ needs to get around what God is doing. If you said, I'm asking God for newness of life, for restoration today, for his salvation, and you raised your hand, I wanna ask you to do something very bold. Would you all stand with me? Stand with me, please. All of you stand. Everyone stand up. Now I'm gonna ask you that if you raised your hand I want you to know that you're in a house full of people that are believing the kingdom of God is coming in your life today. And I wanna pray with you, but I believe that we need to, as a church, to rally around these people. These are the seeds of the kingdom of God that are gonna be planted and become beautiful trees of life in this city. So if you raised your hand and you would be bold enough, I wanna ask you to come and join me at the front. Come on. Just come come on. down, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed. Everything's being made new. Everything's being made new today. Yes. Come on. Yes. I'm Come so on. glad Come you're on. down here, bro. I saw you Thank and I walked you, out of the room. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We're All right, now, coming. church. Come I want to, yes, here. praise God. Come on. So we're going to pray together. Yes. Come on. Keep coming. You, if the Lord's moving your heart, get down here. Do not live another day in this prison. Come on. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. What's happening today? The power of sin is broken over your life. Thank You're you, no Father. longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a prisoner to sin. You no longer have to look down upon yourself for the decisions that you made or the things that have been done to you that kept you in a prison. You're being taken from a kingdom of darkness. You're being brought into a kingdom of marvelous light. Yes. Joy is being restored to you today. Forgiveness, salvation is being restored to you today. Yes. Let's pray this together. Listen, guys, I can't pray this prayer for you. I wanna pray with you. The Bible says if you, if you believe in your mouth, in your heart, that Jesus is the risen Son of God, that He's your Lord, that you're no longer in charge, but He's in charge, and you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord, that he will save you. So I'm gonna ask you to pray, but don't pray from your lips today. Pray from the deepest part of you, the part that's hungry for newness of life. And church, let's all pray together with them, will you? Lord God, I just pray for these people, and, and Lord, we just believe that your spirit's coming upon these people in Jesus' name. Jesus. So pray this prayer with me today. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I accept you. I accept you. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. I've sinned. I've sinned. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. I won't sin anymore. I won't sin. Anymore. I declare you're my Lord. I declare you're my 
and you're my Savior. My life is yours. You were dead. And you were resurrected. And you were resurrected. So I could have eternal life. So I could have eternal life. I receive that eternal life. Receive that eternal life. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. My life is yours. My life is yours. Make my life. Make my life. Your temple. Your temple. Use me. Use me. Have me, God. Have me, God. And I'll live with you. And I'll live with you. For eternity. For eternity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Praise yes. be to God. Listen, uh, I just want to pray over all those up here. Reach your hands out to them because all of us have been in this spot. I've, I've stood in a church right here just like this. And I'm so grateful for those that prayed for me and encouraged me. Let's pray for them. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, these are our, our people. Father, we pray you fill them full of your spirit. And you help them the way you helped us to overcome sin. For you have set them free. Father, teach them how to walk in that freedom. How to be overcomers. Fill them full of your compassion and your mercy. For others as you have shown them mercy and us mercy. Father, help them. Help them every day. To serve you. And Father, use their lives for a purpose in your cause. Teach them, Father, how to live for you. How to follow you. Father, we pray you give them strength and courage. We pray you comfort them and encourage them. And we thank you for them, Father. And we pray your blessings on all those here. Every man, woman, and child at church today. We pray you bless them. Everybody online, Father, I speak your blessings over them. That they're blessed to be a blessing, Father. That we grow in compassion. We grow in the compassion and the love that you've had for us and you have for us. Then, Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that today, and we rejoice in your goodness, your faithfulness, and in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And all the people of God said, amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice in his goodness. Listen, for all of you that are up here, there's someone standing at the door. They have something they want to give to you. And if you want prayer, grab their hand, and they'll pray for you. They'll pray for you. If you need, like, man, I need prayer for this or prayer for that, they'll pray for you. They'll give you something. But let me tell you the next step. The next step is you make a public profession and get water baptized. I want to show you this picture of how desperate the Christians in the world that Josh and Bevan go to, they got a tarp and filled it full of water because he was desperate to do what you could do any service right here, right now. I'll fill up a bathtub if I have to to baptize you. But we have one made for you. They're willing to do this just to, just to honor God. Just to say, God, I believe what I prayed in. And I want to take that next step. And the next step is I make a public profession that I died to myself. I'm going to live for you. And so I want to invite you to come and do that. Any service, you grab an usher, grab someone and say, I want to get baptized Wednesday night. Any Sundays, you can come to the office and say it. And we'll, th- we'll baptize you. 
Take the next steps to do what is right, and God will honor you for it. So having said all that, I want to I say God bless you. Have an incredible day. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.